focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome to Processing College Football. This is episode number 15. This is our conference championship review. This is, as I said, Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain, and I am with you as I am every week, at least during the college football season. My name is Jason Randazza, and in that corner over there, we have Mark Catlin. Mark, how's it going? Are we about to fight? We are. Okay, cool. We're about to duel. I got some strong (laughs) opinions this week. All right. Uh, I got strong ones. and uh, I, I'm not I'm not throwing this fight. So, um, as I said, this is our conference championship podcast. Uh, but every week, if you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, please send them in. You can reach us on Twitter at processingcfb, or you can email us uh, at processingcollegefootball@gmail.com. Uh, we had a pretty active Twitter feed this week. <laughs> several back and forth um herm edwards was apparently very controversial uh listen uh, herm herm's gonna be wild out in arizona state the, especially with the i don't know the devil's times or something like that what was that thing the devil's chronicle i don't know some newspaper the yeah. devil's digest apparently devil's digest even better and herm yeah, edwards I mean, did not want anything to do with it nothing Nothing to do with it. Dude, I'll tell you this. I don't know if he's going to win games. That dude's going to be entertaining. <laughs> so it only makes sense. It only makes sense that our Twitter feed is all about Herm Edwards. I think so, too. Uh, it's it's pretty clear to me that he doesn't seem to know, actually, what the team is he's coaching or that their mascot is the Sun Devils, which which I'm fine with. I really hope he never learns. Um, yeah. <laughs> I really hope he never learns. This is a strong start to the podcast. I like this. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't blame him. If you're going to rebuke the devil, you need to do it. Completely. Hey, hey, so. Amen. <laughs> um, all right. So we we do have a lot to discuss. We're going to try to be, I don't know, a little bit more concise maybe than we are most weeks. We don't actually have anything that we're going to preview this week because there aren't any games this weekend um reluctant or reluctantly i don't know unfortunately i suppose well there is there is one game this oh weekend. right we can talk about that actually i have probably zero opinions um but but i don't know what you're <laughs> doing this this weekend but i actually scheduled um uh, a christmas party this weekend just to fill in for the complete That's... lack of college football uh, I'm hoping it distracts me. Yeah, I think it will. Uh, we're, we also have a, a shindig we're, we're headed to, which is good. Um, I'll probably try to catch a little bit of the Army-Navy game, but you know, the big news from this past week for me was I got a pair of glasses. Yeah. wearing glasses for the first time. Yeah. Um, so, 
hope better to see the football list. Well, that's what I, I'm thinking. Maybe that will help you see um, the the strengths and weaknesses of some of these teams' offenses and defenses. So, uh, with that said, why don't we talk some conference championships? Let's do it. All right. So let's start uh, where the conference championships started on Friday night with the Pac-12 championship. This was a matchup between Stanford USC. Stanford were four-point dogs, I believe, going into it, and they played in Santa Clara, kind of home turf there for Stanford. This is an 8 p.m. game on Friday. Final score here was 31-28 to USC. So congratulations to USC. Stanford, to their credit, played a whole lot better than they did the first time around since this was one of the three rematches we had. Uh, And in fact, there was actually one drive that brought Stanford to the USC one-yard line. Uh, They were fourth and goal, and they're down there. um, And they're down three at this point. But rather than kick a field goal to tie it up, they made the bold decision to just go for it, and they gave it to Cameron Scarlett to run it up the middle, and they're immediately stopped, seemingly. Okay, Scarlett falls, but he's actually falling on top of his teammates. He's still not down, and he's on his back, and uh, he's trying to push into the end zone. And you look at the film, and I did several times, and he clearly has this in the end zone. Uh, Andy isn't down, but the refs called the play dead, so it didn't count. Um, it's 24-21 at this point. USC gets it on downs and then proceeds to make like a 99-yard drive for a touchdown. Stanford actually gets another touchdown, too, to bring the game back within three. And they have a couple minutes of gameplay back and attempt an unsuccessful onside kick. But uh, USA gets it, and um, then they get a first down, which lets them run out the clock. The game ultimately ends 31-28. to um, It was a good game for Sam Darnold. Uh, he was 17-24 for 325 yards and two touchdowns. No interceptions, no fumbles. Um, there it is. So that was kind of the Pac-12 <clears throat> game. Anything you saw on this one you thought was interesting? Uh, no, I mean, I think Stanford definitely improved yeah. you know, over the, the course of the season. You know, it was week two or three where something like that where Stanford was playing USC. And, um, you know, they got a lot better over the course of the season. It was a good championship game. Um, I think they obviously showed that they deserved to be there in that kind of wild Pac-12 North coming out of there. Uh, and, yeah, USC, I mean, when Sam Darnold's not turning the ball over, they're pretty hard to beat. Stanford gave them their best shot, you know, if they get that touchdown there at the end. And uh, could be we could be talking about a different outcome. But, um, yeah, it was a great game. And uh, now it'll be fun to see SC play in their bowl game. But, you know, it was, uh, it was a good game, but ultimately not that consequential in terms of the playoff. Which we can talk a little bit. Well, obviously we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. It almost seems uh, funny that it wasn't more contra- consequential or that even during uh, the game itself, nobody really regarded it as consequential. But um, I don't know. Maybe there were some biases at play, but we should talk about the ACC championship between Clemson and Miami. Uh, Clemson favored to win by about nine and a half, I think, at kickoff. This was played in Charlotte, North Carolina. Final score on this one, 38-3 Clemson. Okay, so now we know that Miami is definitely not college football playoff caliber. Um 
this has been a tough couple of weeks for Miami after a really good season. I still have kind of a lot of, well, I, I really do have high hopes for the program going forward. As you mentioned, um, Mark Rick down there is doing a lot of things right, emphasizing the history of the program. He's getting the team excited, and they had a heck of a season. Um, dropped that bad game to Pitt, and clearly couldn't keep up to the national title defenders here uh, in, I guess, a stadium and a, a location that was probably more favorable to Clemson. We knew that they would be down on offense after those injuries we talked about when we previewed this game. Um, <laughs> and they were. And they were. Uh, but, I mean, you couple that with the toughest defense they've probably played all season, and they clearly mm-hmm. just weren't up for it. Um, it was a good win for the Tigers. Uh, though the road gets tougher from here. More on that momentarily. I didn't watch a whole lot of this game because I was watching the Ohio State game, which was on simultaneously. And I was like, oh, I'll just flip back and forth between the two. So I was watching Ohio State play Wisconsin, which was competitive. And, you know, before I knew it, Clemson was up 14, and then it just kept getting worse. So I was like, okay, not a whole lot to catch here. Uh, But I don't know if you had time to watch any of this. No, I was locked into the Ohio State-Wisconsin game, Big Ten Championship. Um you know, this one, watching, so, I mean, I didn't watch it. Same, same thing kind of happened. It was like, okay, so it's 21 nothing at half. There's no way he's going to come back and do anything <clears throat> against Clemson's defense. But, uh, you know, there's – Clemson is very good Yeah, is the summary of the game. Yeah. But there are also a couple opportunities where Miami just missed. You know, they have the little turnover chain thing going. Sure. They did get one turnover. And then there were a couple other, like, fumbles and things like that that they – if you watch the highlights, they should have had. They should have recovered. I don't think it changes the outcome of the game ultimately, but mm-hmm. it does maybe, you know, <laughs> you don't lose by uh, five touchdowns. Sure. Um, so it, I don't – Clemson was just a better football team. I think even with the offensive players that Miami lost out there, even if they get those turnovers, it's closer. But, man, Clemson is a is a really, really good football team. And I think deserving of uh, the number one ranking in the, in the playoff. Is that what they are? We haven't even reviewed that yet. Mm-hmm. Don't blow up my spark, spot, Mark. All right. They were, they were, they were already ranked. <laughs> Things could have changed. The big question is, who's ranked number four? That is a big question. Speaking of things that are big, Big 12, let's talk. Mm -hmm. TCU, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, touchdown favorite, playing in AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Um, This was a noon 30 game on Fox. Final score of this one, 41-17, Oklahoma. Baker Mayfield had an incredible game, threw for four touchdowns. TCU came close at one point in the game. Uh, they were <laughs> they were within three. It was 14-7, but Oklahoma got uh, another touchdown um, and led 24-14 going into halftime. And the second half was all Oklahoma again on this game. I don't know that I have a whole lot to say. Um Baker Mayfield seems like the obvious Heisman choice, uh, and actually speaking of that, just while I'm speak while I'm speaking of it, uh, the finalists were announced for the Heisman: Baker Mayfield, Bryce Love of Stanford, Lamar Jackson of Louisville. Conspicuously absent, Saquon Barkley. Also, JPT Barrett had a lot of hype at some points in the season, but doesn't look like they're going to New York. I don't think there's any doubt Baker Mayfield to get it, especially with this game. Um, yeah, see, I mean. <clears throat> 
Saquon Barkley was kind of conspicuously absent from the second half of the season. Too. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of strange. And uh, JT Barrett, you know, well, we'll talk about him in a second, I guess. But he could have been invited, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. Um, there's do you a, have there's any... one particular game that probably ruined that one. Sure. Sure. Do you have anything uh, to add about this Big 12 championship rematch? No, although I think you may have said they were in the Yankees Stadium. In no, the AT&T Stadium. Oh, I was yeah, like... That would have been funny. It's like New York, New York slipping in. I was like, dang, they built the Yankee Stadium in freaking... It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I would have been there. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't have too much to add. You know, uh, as an Alabama fan, as an Alabama homer, some might say, mm-hmm. I was hoping the Horn Fogs would pull this out, no. give us a spot. Also, if we get there, we wouldn't have to play Oklahoma no. uh, and this Baker Mayfield character, but... And so uh, TCU is making this comeback, <laughs> and we came out, you know, TCU comes out, second half, three and out, and then boom, Oklahoma just steamrolls TCU. Yeah. TCU has the best passing defense of the Big 12, which is saying something in terms of sure. the Big 12 doesn't play too much defense, but they pass a lot, so they have high-power offenses, <clears throat> and so they're the best at defending the pass. Baker Mayfield and the, those wide receivers did whatever they wanted to, yeah. whenever they wanted to. It was insane. Watching Baker Mayfield's like this guy, he's got to be the best player in college football right now. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I, I sat back in awe of what Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma, what they were able to do against a, a good football team in TCU. TCU is not a bad football team. Uh, I picked TCU to win this because I thought it would be close and you know, at halftime looked like they might pull it off and I was like, no, there's no way. No. There's absolutely no way it's going to happen. No. Um, and so, man, they, uh, they look very good. TCU actually, uh, gosh, I should have looked up the player, but they had an incredible touchdown pass at one point. Uh, oh, the, the gosh. player reached yeah. out with one hand um, he, he he was in the process of falling effectively, uh, and with one hand catches the ball and secures it and gets a touchdown. Um, I think I think without replay, there's no way that you call that a touchdown. No, if you want, if and you watch that in real time, time, over and over and over yeah. again, you would say it's not a touchdown. And then you watch it in slow motion, and he just had control of the ball from the minute from the second it hit his hand. Yep. It was it was a phenomenal catch for sure. Yeah, it was great. So uh, unnamed player that I am disrespecting by not knowing your name. Good job. You know who you are. Um, uh, let's talk SEC championship. This was Georgia Auburn. Auburn, a slight favorite here, playing in Atlanta at 4 p.m. on CBS. Final score of the game, 28-7, to Georgia. I wanted to say that this game was a lot closer than the score indicates, but I don't know that it actually was. Georgia might not have pulled away into the fourth quarter, but I never really thought that they didn't look like they were in control, or at worst, just evenly matched, which is not what... You'd believe after last matchup a few weeks back, um, I almost can't help but wonder if this was a little bit because of Gus Malzahn kind of shooting his mouth off about beating the dog crap out of Georgia the last time they played. I saw a bu- I saw I saw a bunch of tweets from Georgia fans after this game was over saying things like "We really beat the tiger crap out of them, huh?" Um, which actually is pretty good. Uh, it was- I mean, I, but here's the thing with that, right? I mean, that dude was. 
he was talking to his wife after the game as he ran off the field. You know, it's like he was at a press conference and walked in and looked at all the reporters <laughs> like, hey, guys, we really beat the dog crap out of him. Huh? You know, it's like, I mean, just in like today's culture, there's just no like moment where you just have like a an honest moment with your spouse. You know what I mean? I thought, it's like, come on, guys. I, but I think it was fair for Georgia to um... – well, once it gets out there, of course. But I'm like, dude, let the guy have a conversation with his wife <laughs> on the field after a big victory. You know, like, what in the world? Yeah. Anyway, here's the thing: if somebody had said that about Alabama, I would have been pissed. Get so. the kick the elephant crap out of him. It's amazing. Um. Anyway, hashtag, that's our hashtag: elephant crap. Elephant crap. It was pretty lopsided. So Georgia outgained Auburn 421 to 259. And perhaps the most or maybe least surprising thing was that 238 of those yards for Georgia were on the ground. You and I actually discussed this last week. You can run on Auburn this year. It it remains a mystery why Alabama didn't try it more. But Georgia did, and it really, really favored them. Um, So Stidham... On, George, or on Auburn, he struggled through the air. 16 of 32. He passed the ball 32 times. Um, meanwhile, opposite him on Georgia, Jake Fromm had 16 completions for 22 uh, yards and two touchdowns. And then Georgia also had Nick Chubb, DeAndre Smith, each running the ball for over 75 yards. And Kerryon Johnson uh, was held to 44 yards on 13 carries. Uh it should also be noted that Stidham and Carrion, you know, who are Auburn's playmakers, both fumbled the ball. And both those times it was recovered by Raquan Smith, linebacker for Georgia. He recovered both of them. Um, so this is a tough loss for Auburn. Auburn finishes the season 10-3. and um, it, was, it was a great year for them. Um, they faced yeah. two teams who were number one when they played them and beat them both. Unfortunately, both those teams still made it to the playoff, and they did not. Um, <laughs> oh, that's so depressing for them. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, this game, one, yeah, I think you can run on Auburn if you have uh, an elite running game, sure. which both Georgia and Alabama do. Um, and so, I mean, I think Georgia took a step back and said, okay, look, we can run. And then all of their passing was based off play-action pass. So they established the run. Mm. with Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle and a little bit of DeAndre Swift. And then after that, you can, um, you know, just fake the handoff. It'll freeze the linebackers and even the safeties a bit. It, it just opens up space for the wide receivers. And that's how you beat Auburn. I mean, it's said simply uh, because if you have an elite running game, you can do that. But, I mean, there's no bones about it. I mean, Auburn's defense is, is very good. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think they're elite at stopping the run. I do think they have an elite pass rush, and they still they continue to show that. But even the pass rush can be slowed down a little bit when you're running the ball. And so, um, yeah, I think Auburn, I mean, as you said, kudos to Auburn for an incredible season, especially after the loss to LSU to come back, um, uh, having two losses, and to be right there ready to go to the playoff is a pretty incredible season. Um you know, a lot to be proud of there. And, uh, I mean, the other thing with this game in terms of Georgia winning is uh, we both said, you know, if on Johnson's healthy, it's a different game. Yeah. If he's injured, it's it's not going to be good for Auburn. He clearly wasn't 100%. Yeah. Uh, and I think that changed the game pretty drastically. At least uh, kind of like in the Clemson-Miami game, it at least changed the difference in the game. I think it would have been a much tighter football game. However, um, 
you know, whether Georgia still would have won or not. I see. I, I tend to think they would because of their advantage running the ball uh, for 238 yards. That's not that has a little bit to do with can Auburn's offense keep the ball and tire out their defense and Georgia not get as much, not get as many plays. But um, you know they they were running on them from the beginning. They didn't have to tire out Auburn's defense to get there. So um, yeah, this is this is a, a fun game to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is basically a play-in game. Uh, I think everybody knew, and so now uh, the Bulldogs are headed to the playoff. Yep, and congratulations to them. There was one other weird thing, and the point might be moot considering how the game turned out. But there were some weird calls against Georgia. For instance, there was a a pick penalty, and you and I texted back and forth. Um, and this prevented Georgia from scoring a touchdown, at least in the immediate sense on that play. Uh, but what was this? I watched the footage several times, and I couldn't see what they were talking about. The commentators basically seemed to think that this was a bad call, but it also didn't help that I don't know what a pick penalty is, so I don't know what I was even looking for. It l- looked pretty standard to me, like what the defenders were doing. I'm, it was something improper, so- clearly. <clears throat> So, yeah, I mean, a pick play, if you remember, the really there was a kind of a, a big part of the conversation coming out of the national championship game last year. Clemson scored twice on pick plays. And what that means is, especially down at the goal line, what, what you'll do is you'll have two receivers next to each other, and they'll cross their patterns. Mm-hmm. And the idea uh, for a pick play, which is illegal technically for it to be a pick, which is why – the guy was called for offensive pass interference. Is a lot of times what will happen is a wide receiver will, will actually run into one of like the the guy who's covering or lined up on the other receiver. So as the receivers cross and the defenders follow their receivers, uh, if that receiver just hits that cor- that cornerback a little bit or that safety a little bit, it gives just enough space for that wide receiver to get open and to throw the ball there. Now, the reason it's illegal is, and they call it a pick play, really out of basketball, you run the pick and roll a lot, which sure. you may not know what that is, but you know, you set a screen, the defender runs into you, and the guy goes around you. Um, but that's offensive pass interference to, to run that sort of play. Now, you can be in the way, you just can't run into them. Now, the problem is, um, and so a, a lot of people are saying, including myself, that the Clemson, in the Clemson game, especially that last touchdown they scored, was clearly a pick play. <laughs> the Clemson receiver did not run a route. They just ran directly into the Alabama defensive back. But uh, on this play, uh, initially what it looked like, if you're watching in real time, is the Georgia wide receivers cross, the Georgia wide receiver hits the, the Auburn defensive back, and that's why that guy's so wide open in the end zone. Right. Well, and so that's why they got called for pass and offensive pass interference is a Offensive player looked like he just ran into the defensive back, picked him, and that's why the guy was open. Now, the problem, of course, is when you watch the replay, what happened is it actually looked like the Georgia wide receiver was running a legitimate route. And the Auburn defensive back essentially picks him up and shoves him to the ground, which if the defensive player engages in that at all, we didn't have to throw him to the ground, but, you know, pushes back essentially, uh-huh. then it shouldn't be a pick play because the defensive back engages this i don't think i've ever seen before i don't think i've ever seen a defensive player pick up water receiver throw him to the ground and the offense get called for pass interference <laughs> and so i was like wow that is 
pretty insane. And there were a couple of calls like that that early on went against Georgia. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, man, here there, we go. There was also a roughing the passer, which was a little unusual. Um, there was a third one that I don't exactly remember. Uh, but uh, the, there, there were three kind of standouts. I actually came across them when I was researching this game. And I think either you and I talked about all three of them or something or um, – Hang on one second. Oh. Uh, I'm sorry. Could you hear that? No. Okay. Uh, an ad started to play on my uh, computer, and it started singing at me. Um, no, there was an article uh, that ESPN wrote about the bad calls against Georgia, and they were all, I don't know, fairly apparent. Anyway, um... Let's talk Big Ten. Mm. Was this an important game? This had some consequence. It was against Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a state in the north, um, somewhere in the middle of the country. Uh, They have cheese and the Green Bay Packers. So uh, Wisconsin was playing Ohio State. Ohio State favored by six and a half played in Indianapolis in Lucas Oil Stadium. This was an 8 p.m. game on Fox. Final score was 27-21 to 21 Ohio State. Uh, I really um, I really didn't enjoy this game. I was conflicted the whole time I watched it. I, I simultaneously wanted Ohio State to win because that offered the best hope for Alabama making it to the playoff. And then I wanted them to lose because they're Ohio State. Um, and Urban Meyer's their coach. And Urban Meyer's their coach. Ultimately, they, they did win. Uh, and at the time, I didn't know how I felt about that. But they struggled with it. And and we knew that uh, if you struggled against Wisconsin, the committee wasn't going to view it favorably because they did not respect Wisconsin all no. season. Uh, a couple of things to note. JT Barrett was back this game after getting hit with that camera. Despite having knee surgery six days prior, which I think is a normal thing to do. You have knee surgery, you get back out there, and you play oh, yeah. a, fu- a full contact yeah. sport. I do it every other week. Just sure. Right. right. Uh, so all credit to him. He, he didn't have the greatest game of his career, 12 of 26 and two interceptions, um, with one being a pick six. But he also threw for two touchdowns and ran one in, in himself. He, he did enough to win the game. Um at one point during a Wisconsin drive, this is another thing to note, uh, it was temporarily stopped just short of the Ohio State end zone because they tore up the field and we had to wait like 15 minutes while a, a turf expert came to repair it with, yeah, n- with n- vigor. I've never seen it before. Yeah. So he was actually the unanimous MVP of the game, uh, frankly, this guy who came in to repair the field. Apparently his name was Eric Harlow, and he has a bachelor's degree from Purdue. Did you hear this? In turf grass science. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even considered that career path, frankly. I I didn't know that there's a four-year program out there in turf grass science. Oh, yeah, dude. I know know a guy who got a PhD in soils. Wow. See, but that almost makes – well – Okay, I don't know. Eric Harlow, you are a national treasure, so good job there. Um, anyway, it looked at a couple points 
like Wisconsin could win this. Their final drive ended with a deep ball to no one, basically, and was intercepted. Uh, and the game ended 27-21, to 21, um, Ohio State. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing <clears throat> with this game is, yeah, I, I found myself cheering for Wisconsin as well. Uh, every now and then I'd be like, yeah, and I'd be like, wait, I'm not cheering for Wisconsin, or am I? And I was uh, I basically wanted Ohio State to win, but not win very big, and that's exactly what happened. So I, I was very happy with how the game turned out. And the the thing with JT Barrett is, so he made some good plays, made some good throws, but he also made some terrible plays, right? I mean, that first interception from his own end zone, the guy was just right there. It yeah. was clear, clear read. There was nothing confusing about the defense, and he threw it directly to the linebacker who was underneath the receiver. I was just kind of like, okay, uh, that was just terrible. And so it's things like that where you just you're not, you just don't look like you're an elite quarterback. Um, and there were times where the team, I think, when you looked at the two teams comparing them, it was also very clear that Ohio State just had better athletes, right? I mean, there were a couple of times where a guy would break through the line, there was just nobody there. And there was also no chance anybody was going to catch the guy. A couple wide receivers caught balls, and the distance just kept increasing between the the receiver and the cornerback or safety. I would say it was just faster, they were bigger, they were stronger, all that stuff. And But when that's the case, you should beat a team by a lot more. And, and right. so the, the, the fear for me was watching immediately how much just better athletically Ohio State was, like person on person. I was like, oh, this could get real ugly. I, I, I didn't think it was quite going to be the 59 nothing shellacking they took last time to play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship when they had Cardell Jones and Ezekiel Elliott. But I was like, this could get pretty ugly pretty fast, and that wouldn't be good. Mm-hmm. But when you have athletes that are that much better and you only win by six, it means you're not that good of a team. Sure. You're not playing together that well and so um and i think this was uh, you know ohio state kind of across the season and so i don't know you kind of saw like a a collection of really good athletes but not a great team mm-hmm. wisconsin not the best athletes out there but a really solid team and so they can hang in with people who are better athletes than they are sure uh i i thought on the whole wisconsin I guess what I should say is that I think that most of the season, Ohio State's been given a lot of credit for being uh, one of the more elite teams. Uh, If there are any elite teams this season, then a lot of people would widely consider Ohio State for much of the season to have been one of them. And Wisconsin hung in with them for... Most of the game, I I never thought that it was out of reach for Wisconsin, um, even right up until that interception that ended the game. Uh, so, uh, a lot of credit goes to them. Their their quarterback Alex Hornibrook threw the ball forty times, though. I think I don't know how many times he completed it, but uh, I mean, to me, usually when I see numbers like that, if I'm not watching, I don't know. Um, you know, a, a Big 12 game or something. Oklahoma State, yeah. yeah it, it seems to indicate that uh, they felt a lot of, I don't know, pressure. Um, right. They either couldn't run the ball well or they had to throw because right. they were down quickly. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, uh, Wisconsin finishes the season 12-1, and, and, and 
we'll talk about what bowl game they're going to momentarily but uh it was a great season for them and uh i don't know how much of these pieces they retain for next year but um i i, I hope they continue to do well and maybe next year they'll make the playoffs we shall see all right so speaking of playoffs let's talk the final playoff rankings i already let the cat out of the bag so we might as well just not do this in the number one spot is clemson you guys already knew that for the last 20 minutes because you were under a rock up until you started listening to the podcast hoping to save that as a surprise uh, and mark ruined it um, I'm sorry. But number two is Oklahoma. Number three is Georgia. Number four is, drumroll please, it's Alabama. Woo! Wow. Alabama Shocking. Crimson Tide makes it in at number four. And then on the outside, I guess looking in, but uh, with no chance of ever coming in this year, Ohio State at five and Wisconsin at six. So the playoff first round of the playoff will be Clemson against Alabama and Oklahoma against Georgia. Now, uh, what's your, what's your initial feeling on this matchup, Mark? We'll obviously come back at a later date and preview this game in more detail, but how are you feeling about it? Uh, I mean, both matchups I love. I mean, I think, I think it's great. Uh, we get a third matchup of Clemson, Alabama, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the the thing that really hurt has hurt Alabama against Clemson the past two years is Deshaun Watson's ability to throw the ball and be really accurate with it. The question is, can Kelly Bryant do that? Um, and so this should be another classic, I think. Um, yeah, just strength on strength. It'll be interesting to see if Alabama can run against uh, the Clem- this Clemson defense, which seems to be amazing, especially in its front seven. Mm-hmm. So and it's it's going to be it's going to be very exciting, uh, and it'll be the you know the past two times it's been for the national championship. So with you know almost a month to prepare for one another, playing the first round of the playoffs, it'll be very interesting to see uh, what these coaches are able to do. Alabama will be healthier, which will be on defense especially, uh, which will be interesting to maybe see our defense healthy for the first time this year since the first half of the Florida State game. So, you know, it's hard to know what to expect from that. Um, Are they going to be that much better? Are they going to have the same issues? Who knows? Uh, Oklahoma, Georgia, it's going to be exciting. It's always exciting to watch Baker Mayfield do anything against anybody. Uh, but you know, Georgia's defense was really exciting to watch. <laughs> maybe not that. Although, well, maybe maybe there's some excitement, uh, a little bit, a little bit different. But uh, it's at least new. Everything he does is newsworthy, apparently. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, Baker Mayfield on offense against Georgia's defense will be really interesting to watch. And Oklahoma's defense has been suspect in some games, and so it'll be interesting to see if can they slow down Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and uh, Swift. And it seemed like they rolled out a ton of running backs against Auburn. They all seemed to run well. So um, I think that's the thing really to look for. And strength on strength is is Baker against Georgia's defense. Mm-hmm. I think the matchup that might determine it, whether Georgia, I think, can hang in there, is can Oklahoma stop their running game? Sure. You know, and 
it's so funny because I had actually asked earlier this season when uh, Baker Mayfield and the rest of the Big 12 were putting up like video game numbers if uh, if a team actually bothered to play defense against one of these teams how would that end up and with Georgia having a pretty stout defense uh, against Oklahoma kind of the the quintessential uh, the epitome of those uh, video game Big 12 offenses. I guess we'll see kind of how that goes. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it'll be rather interesting. I think in general, you know, defenses, you know, win championships, they say, and defense travels, et cetera, et cetera. But when you got a player like Baker Mayfield, kind of like Clemson did with Deshaun sure. Watson, sometimes it just doesn't matter. You know, uh, I think somebody mentioned when they were picking the Alabama-Clemson game last year, they thought Alabama had the better team, mm-hmm. but Clemson just had the best player on the field, Deshaun Watson, and that's why they picked Clemson. It ended up being the right thing to do. So it's interesting, you know, going forward as we make picks and other people look at it, uh, is just Baker Mayfield, that factor, uh, enough to get Oklahoma through to, to a national championship? We shall see. More on that in about a month. All right, let's talk a few things on coaching carousel, and then I'm going to read out all 41 of the bowl games, and then we're going to sign off for the night. So, some updates on the coaching carousel. We have Texas A&M, who had fired coach Kevin Sumlin a few weeks back. They just got a new coach, Mark. Did you hear about this? No. Who is it? It's Jimbo Fisher. Oh, wow. Once Herm Edwards was off the market, they're like, all right, second choice now, Jimbo. Come to A&M. So Jimbo Fisher, um, after a tough season, gets just about the most amazing contract anyone could ever get. He gets $75 million over 10 years, and it is 100% guaranteed. He can basically do a terrible job there, and he will get all of that money. Uh, as long as he stays for the full 10 years. Or, or they fire him. Yeah, the, the 100% guarantee is insane. Obviously, I'd heard about this. Um, and Jimbo Fisher would have been dumb not to go with yeah. 100% guarantee. In my opinion, it's seemingly with relationships at Florida State falling apart. It seems like he didn't leave in the best way. Uh, no. Nobody was too excited about that. At least he had a good relationship with the fans. So, this whole thing is very interesting. The 100% guaranteed is a terrible idea. Yeah. It's it's even worse than like the big buyouts that people have had. So, yeah, we can fire you, but we'll have to pay you however many millions of dollars. This is $75 million guaranteed. Yeah. It's out the door already. Yeah. And there's just so many things that could go wrong. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a terrible, terrible idea. Um, now, Jimbo Fisher's a good coach and all that, but, man, the, the guaranteed stuff over it, seven years or ten, year, ten years. Ten can, years. It, it, it does come seem come back to bite you. completely crazy. And, uh, you know, it does just kind of emphasize that point that is talked about a lot. <laughs> if they can afford to throw $75 million at a coach and guarantee it, um, uh, th- there's clearly a lot of money in college football, and the players don't see any of it. So, um, there's a some complicated set of circumstances, but good for Jimbo Fisher, I guess, getting that money. Uh, but that left Florida State without a coach. 
for a time, about a week. Uh, they just apparently today signed on Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart's coming yeah, yeah. from Oregon. He spent a season there, and now he's already up in Florida State big leagues. So congratulations to Willie. Uh, well, and you, you mentioned this. Maybe it was last week you said it. Was just, or maybe you texted this to me or something. So we mentioned to see how quickly Willie Taggart gets knocked up. Boom, there it is. Boom, there it is, because I actually control all of this. Um, you do. You're pushing so, the button. So why did you, like, contract? It's terrible, Jason. <laughs> I know. Um, but we do have to talk about Tennessee real quick. Uh, Tennessee fired Butch Jones, and their new coach is... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's still not Greg Schiano. <laughs> oh my god! Still not. Yeah, our notes say Greg Schiano strike through, <laughs> strike through, <laughs> <laughs> which is loosely translated as still not Greg Schiano. Still not Greg Schiano. All right. Yeah, this is you gotta you gotta watch Paul Feinbaum talk about this. It's amazing because Paul Feinbaum, for those of you who don't know, or millions of listeners out there from across the world who don't know much about. The, the goings on in Alabama football media, Paul Feinbaum is, is kind of a classic, but he went to Tennessee. And so you have F- Paul Feinbaum and kind of all of his Paul Feinbaumness. And then you combine that with his alma mater uh, in a dumpster fire with his coaching thing, and it's yeah. fantastic. Just listen to what he has to say. It's I think there is one development here that we didn't cover last week because I think it hadn't happened yet. But basically, the AD uh, right. Curie is now out and was replaced by Phil Fulmer, who is a former coach at Tennessee. Yeah, I, is, I, I've been told that uh, as an Alabama fan, I'm supposed to hate him. Um, you are supposed to hate Phil Fulmer okay. for sure. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that's something we can process later down the road. But you do need to process it because you have some issues to work through that you don't even know that you have. <laughs> that I don't even know about that. All right. <laughs> uh, let's talk Nebraska real quick. Nebraska getting rid of Mike Riley. And they hired Scott Frost, apparently a Nebraska mm-hmm. native. So Scott Frost coming from UCF. And actually UCF got a new coach today too who was the offensive coordinator. Where was he coming from? I don't even remember. Um Apparently, it was kind of a surprising move somewhere out of left field. Um, I don't know. UCF is not a Power 5 conference, so we don't really have to pay attention to them anymore. All right, Arkansas. But just just for your own benefit, if mm-hmm. you you should go watch some highlights of Scott Frost playing quarterback in Nebraska. He played QB there. Oh, And okay. he was fantastic. Oh. So I'm sure you can pull up some highlights on on YouTube and watch him because he was, he was really good when they were really good and exciting to watch. All right. Well, I will do that. Uh, so, and then we have Arkansas uh, firing Brett Belima, and they, they still don't have a coach, right? Am I wrong? Uh, not that I've heard of. I mean, they did go after Gus Malzahn. And, and that and did Gus, not work. The Gus bus is staying in, uh, in Auburn. Yeah. Which, I mean, I thought, I thought it was crazy that he was going to leave. I mean, what, what he's got going in Auburn is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would be it would be really dumb if you're going to transition somewhere to go to another SEC West team that you have to rebuild while Alabama and Auburn are doing what they're doing sure. and Arkansas is at the bottom it's just you should definitely stay at Auburn where you got a really good thing going yeah. I suspect that uh, whoever Arkansas hires 
mm, at this point probably won't be there for very long. So maybe a couple years down the road, there'll be another opportunity for him if he really wants to take that job. It'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how everything turns out. All right, so let's. I'm just going to read through the list of the bowl games because they've all been set at this point. Um, so, <clears throat> as I said, we're not doing any previews this week because there is no college football this week. But uh, next week, I believe, or maybe we'll take a week off and we'll do a review and a preview because next week's bowls don't look that exciting. But maybe some of these will pique your interest. So, uh, coming up on Saturday, December 16th, we have the Celebration Bowl between Grambling and North Carolina A&T. Mm. Uh, I have never heard of either of those schools. Uh, you then, should know more about Grambling. We'll talk about that. Okay. Uh, then we have, in the New Orleans Bowl, Troy versus North Texas. Of course, Troy returning to very near the site of their domination win over LSU. So that practically feels like home territory for them. Um, then we have the Cure Bowl, Georgia State versus Western Kentucky. Uh, Las Vegas Bowl is also that day. Boise State versus Oregon. That could be an interesting one. New Mexico Bowl, Marshall versus Colorado State, and the Camilla Bowl. Arkansas State versus Middle Tennessee. Then on Tuesday, December 19th, we have the Boca Raton Bowl. FAU versus Akron. Uh, FAU actually, are they not located in Boca Raton? I think they are. So that's like a home game for them. Um, then on Wednesday, December 20th, we have the Frisco Bowl, SMU versus Louisiana Tech. Thursday, December 21st, we have the Gasparilla Bowl, FIU versus Temple. And of course, Friday, kind of the, the center of the college football bowl season, we have the Bahamas Bowl between Ohio and UAB. And then we have the Potato Bowl, which is just a great name for a bowl. CMU versus Wyoming. Saturday the 23rd, we have the Birmingham Bowl. USF versus Texas Tech. I tell you, if I were in Birmingham for that, I would definitely go and watch that game. So all of you out in Birmingham, buy tickets to that. That should be fun. Armed Forces Bowl. We have Army versus San Diego State. And then the Dollar General Bowl. We have Appalachian State versus Toledo. Starting on the 24th, we have the Hawaii Bowl, Fresno State versus Houston. On December 26th, we have the Heart of Dallas Bowl, Utah versus West Virginia, the Quick Lane Bowl, Duke versus NIU, the Cactus Bowl, Kansas State versus UCLA. I can't believe how many bowl games there are. Then we have the Independence Bowl on the 27th, the Pinstripe Bowl, the Foster Farms Bowl, and the Texas Bowl. That's Florida State versus Southern Miss, Boston College versus Iowa. Arizona versus Purdue, and Texas versus Missouri, respectively. And then we have the Military Bowl, Virginia versus Navy, Camping World Bowl, um, a favorite of the podcast, Oklahoma State versus Virginia Tech. We have the Holiday Bowl, Michigan State versus Washington State, the Alamo Bowl, Stanford versus TCU. And on the 29th, we have the Belk Bowl, uh, Wake Forest versus Texas A&M, Sun Bowl, Arizona State versus NC State, Music City Bowl, Kentucky versus Northwestern, the Arizona Bowl uh, is New Mexico State versus Utah State, the Cotton Bowl, Ohio State versus USC, and this is where we get some really elite bowls. So the Tax Slayer Bowl, Mississippi State versus Louisville, Liberty Bowl, Memphis versus Iowa State, 
Fiesta Bowl is Penn State versus Washington. And then we have the Orange Bowl, Miami versus Wisconsin. We have on January 1st, we have our New Year's Six Bowls. We have the Outback Bowl, Michigan versus South Carolina. The Peach Bowl, Auburn versus UCF. Citrus Bowl, Notre Dame, LSU. Rose Bowl, which is the playoff semifinal. That's the Oklahoma versus Georgia game. And the Sugar Bowl playoff semifinal, Clemson versus Alabama. And, of course, uh, in the national title game is, uh, I think it's it's Alabama-Georgia. It's an all-SEC <laughs> national title game. That would be wild. All right, so those are our bowl games for this season. Um, Thank you for listening to all 40 of those, which means that basically more than half of the FBS teams make it to a bowl, um, which seems to... It's it's out of control. It is completely out of control. The Gasparilla Bowl. Anyway. Um, (laughs) I will say this. Yeah. I have one more thing. Sure. Um, So we're not going to preview the Army-Navy game. I just want to say this. If you can tune in on CBS this Saturday, you should watch it. Um, my brother-in-law went to the Naval Academy. We went to the Army-Navy game all four years when he was there. And it's just an incredible spectacle um, and an amazing game. With, uh, I mean, like there's a, just a ton of passion about it. and It's amazing camaraderie also uh, just to watch the – uh, midshipmen to watch the cadets together and then uh, watch them play and there's flyovers and the president's there and stuff like that. It's just an insane kind of sight. So I would encourage you to watch it. It's just a cool, uh, amazingly historic matchup. So although we're not going to preview it, I just wanted to sure. give a shout out there to say uh, you should watch it because it's a pretty amazing uh, game. Okay. All right. Uh, so I will check that out and all of our listeners definitely will. Um, that's it for us, and I suspect we'll probably be back next week. Although, if you don't see us in your feed, then have no fear. We will be back the week after. All right? I'm ending this podcast. End it.